0: Hello and welcome back to day 11 and episode 11 of Dry Jan Like a Sober Rebel. I hope you're enjoying the series so far and that you've picked up some useful tidbits. I'm Louisa Evans and I'm your host, a cognitive behavioural hypnotherapist by trade and self-proclaimed sober rebel. Over the days so far we've been unpicking some of those beliefs you've held about alcohol things you've picked up from other people, from society as a whole, and some really clever marketing. In the episodes, we've investigated and unpicked what people may believe alcohol offers. And I've also shared some tips about using that inbuilt system in your body, the autonomic nervous system, to access natural feelings of relaxation in order to get stress relief. Because in going sober, you're learning to embrace all of the things that life could throw your way in order to respond in a calmer, more measured way because actually that's a nicer way to live. And this was one of the unexpected benefits of sobriety for me. I always thought I was quite in control of my emotions. I always thought I was quite good at responding and not reacting, especially as I've trained over the years because I've learned certain tips and techniques to help me. What I've heard a lot of people saying about sobriety and what I wholeheartedly agree with is that we're all able to cope with life better now we're sober and this makes total sense when you think about it. Alcohol was creating even on a biological level an anxiousness and that's without the craving for the evening drink. It was creating stress in your system even in small quantities. So if you were someone who was only drinking one or two glasses a night, your nervous system, your body and brain were constantly in one way or another affected by or processing alcohol, which is a depressant. And then fighting to deal with that whilst we coped with dealing with other emotions at the same time and what was going on in our lives. So we were all running with our systems in stress. Then at that point, it doesn't take a lot to tip us over the edge. For me, little things as a drinker could easily be blown out of proportion if I wasn't careful. And to be honest, the bigger things would sometimes feel completely overwhelming, like a wave that's just dragged you under. But now I'm sober, it feels like my resilience has been dialed up a notch. The little things don't irritate and now the big things don't overwhelm. I just feel better able to cope with the natural ups and downs of life. And I think that's a very good point to make. The ups and downs of life still do happen. It isn't all unicorns, rainbows and sunshine. Cars still break down, trains are still late, financial worries are still there, although somewhat lessened without the burden of buying booze. But families still fall out relationships are still difficult friendships still have misunderstandings or people still fall ill you're dealing with everything you would do but now you're doing it with a clear head and the thing is we've been sold this lie that you need alcohol to deal with those stresses and I do hope that's a belief that you've now dispelled but you can see so clearly now how it's a lie Life, as I've said, will still throw ups and downs at you and challenges because going sober won't solve all of your problems, but it will leave you better able to cope with them. So this is where I want to talk about the subject of joy. Joy was always something I seemed to chase. Even as a child and a teenager before alcohol was on the scene, I would sometimes feel quite confused watching other people enjoying themselves. And I would try to dissect what it was that was making them happy. Particularly then in my late teens, I would say that was one of the main reasons I ended up getting married. It was like I had a tick list watching other people smiling and laughing and enjoying their lives, thinking, okay, I need to get a house. Tick, get engaged. Tick, get married. Tick, have children. And that was where it fell over for me because I ended up having multiple miscarriages. I then ended up chasing love for a good few years, but that's a whole other story. So you could say I was an overthinker even back then when I was young. Joy didn't feel natural or easy for me. I struggled to tap into it. That's not to say I wasn't a happy child because I really was, but I would dissect things. I would want to understand why, and maybe I'm still like that. Maybe that's why I do the job I do. I like to pick apart why something works or how it works. But what happened for me in my late teens, early 20s, I started to drink alcohol on top of that. And what I didn't realise was that that was dulling my ability to feel joy even further. And worse, it was then convincing me in order to feel joyful that alcohol was an essential part. So in early sobriety, an unexpected positive benefit for me was the return of joy, and maybe an increase in the joy I'd felt all along. I've been living 20 years dampened down, it felt like. Years ago, and it did click with me, I read about a condition called anhedonia, which is the inability to feel pleasure, and it's a common symptom of depression, amongst other things. And scientists think that anhedonia may be tied to changes in brain activity. And you notice the language here, there might be a problem with the way your brain produces or responds to dopamine, your feel-good mood chemical. And it is really early research, but it suggests that the dopamine neurons in the area of the brain, called the prefrontal cortex, might be overactive in people with anhedonia. And you think that would be the opposite effect. But this somehow interferes with the pathways that then control how we seek out rewards and experience them. A light bulb came on for me as I revisited this concept in sobriety. So, this state can actually be a symptom of various psychiatric disorders, but also a personality trait. So, to get technical for a moment, because I love the science, it has a putative neural substrate originating in the dopaminergic, mesolimbic, and mesocortical reward circuit. It frequently occurs in mood disorders and in substance use disorders. Bingo. Alcohol is a substance that I was abusing. And this was a massive light bulb for me, realising that alcohol was robbing me of pleasure when it was pretending to give me it. And it was doing that on a chemical level. The thing is, and there's no point in denying that drinking those first sips can feel good in the moment because you're getting dopamine endorphins and other feel-good chemicals that are released by the brain and you get a bit of a buzz and that's what keeps us reaching for drink after drink. We want to feel more of that buzz but what happens is the ability to get that buzz decreases so we reach for it more and more and drinking alcohol is a legal and very socially acceptable way of getting that high. It really is as simple as that But everyone knows that what goes up must come down, as we've discussed in previous episodes, and the way the body and brain come down after drinking is by releasing stress hormones and stimulants, like cortisol and norepinephrine. Alcohol also depresses the central nervous system and is a sedative, so those stress hormones and stimulants are our body's way of then keeping us alert, awake and functioning, and they stay in our system, even when alcohol has left it. So it's worth repeating that when you're drinking alcohol regularly, your body adapts so that you can function more normally despite having alcohol in your system. So you're going to hold more of those stress hormones and stimulants in your system. That's when your tolerance comes into play. And what happens as you've built that tolerance, your brain is down-regulating its dopamine receptors. It's doing that for you. It's removing an element of joy. So the number of dopamine receptors in your brain decreases as a drinker. So you literally have less ability to feel joy. The joy is coming from the drug. So let's talk about what happens in sobriety. As you remove alcohol, you're allowing your body to return to a normal state. One in which you've got the ability to feel joy. And I likened it to going back to very early childhood. You know, where you got joy from riding your bike getting a jelly for pudding, laughing with your friends or watching your favourite cartoon on TV. I remember being so excited as a child. In the 1980s we had two comics and they were the Bino and the Beezer and I would run down the drive to get them because the milkman would leave them and that joy and excitement, it was real. We all know the capacity is in there somewhere, unless you're suffering from a psychological disorder, that capacity is in there somewhere. I've personally, and I can only talk from personal experience, found that my ability to feel joy has increased and it's completely taken me by surprise. Without sounding all Mary Poppins, but I do now sit there and listen to the birds singing. I enjoy my morning coffee, or I get excited about having a bubbly, flavoured water. Sometimes I take stock of myself and think, who are you? Who are you and what have you done with Louisa? But I like this version of me. And I sit watching my children, and when they're shrieking and being loud, I enjoy and laugh along with them, rather than feeling irritated by the noise. I am not saying I've become saint-like or monk-like or anything like that, but I am noticing that I'm more open to seeing joy where previously I would have probably felt irritation. It just feels like my joy has been dialed up and that's an absolute pleasure to experience. But let's look at the flip side. Being present and enjoying life again means you have to be present through the more difficult times. You can't zone out or take the edge off more uncomfortable emotions. In fact, you have to sit with them. And this is where the real work is done. And that's the work that people refer to. And that doesn't happen straight away. That happens over time. That doesn't stop once you hit a year sobriety or two years or five years. That's life in progress work. You'll always have something to unpick or to look at in yourself when it comes to self-development. So we've all used alcohol on one level to cope and avoid certain emotions. And that's because certain negative emotions don't feel good. And we want to avoid pain. We want to escape them. And alcohol offered us that escape. A short-term relief with a bit of a kick up the bum the next day, but it's socially acceptable. The thing is, the problem was still there. So maybe you had a drink the next day and the next day. Or maybe you dealt with the problem, but with a sore head. The thing with emotions is that they are like air bubbles trapped underwater. They will always find a way to the surface eventually. And numbing them or seeking to avoid them is as futile as trying to push those air bubbles down. Even grief eventually bubbles to the surface, though most people will drink to mask that at the time, as that's what we've been told is a socially acceptable way to deal with it. I know I didn't fully process my father dying until I hit sobriety and that was when I could really feel and cry and mourn the fact that I missed him nearly eight years later. And this is the thing, emotions are actually our body's signal. It's a natural signal from our body that something needs attention. Those signals are there for a reason They're our gut instinct. They're our barometer in life, and they need to be acknowledged. They're not there for the sake of it. They're there to support us, good and bad. Emotions are actually a normal part of everyday life. We feel frustrated when we're stuck in traffic. We feel sad when we miss our loved ones. We can get angry when someone lets us down, or we feel hurt. And those emotions we're going to feel regularly. And sometimes you can experience emotions that seem more volatile. You may feel higher highs and lower lows. And it's when you get those peaks and valleys that your life can begin to feel impacted. That's where you go from feeling calm one moment, or then sad or angry the next. And if you're feeling that, that's the time to get some support, rather than trying to drown those feelings out. While any of us can have times when our emotions are spinning out of control, for some people this happens more regularly, and alcohol was pouring fuel on that. And that can damage relationships, it can hurt your credibility, but there could be a number of reasons why someone loses control of their emotions. So what you're always looking to do is gain good emotional regulation. And if you haven't had that modelled to you by parents, or learned the skills over your life... That's when someone can feel out of control or like they're losing control when they experience something that triggers them or something that reminds them of a negative situation that's happened in the past. Or there could even be physical changes that cause that person to lose control of their emotions such as feeling overly tired or having a drop in blood sugar. No matter what the reason for emotional volatility in sobriety the good news is we can learn better self-regulation And we can all benefit from learning strategies to control our emotions, not suppress them, but to deal with them in a more healthy and effective way, because suppressing them with alcohol was not the answer. In fact, if anything, the negative emotions would probably still have been there and bubbled to the surface at inappropriate times. And some people are better at regulating their emotions than others. They're high in what they call emotional intelligence, so they're aware of their internal experiences and very aware of the feelings of others. And it may just come across and seem like they're just naturally calm and they've got everything covered. But it's important to understand these people experience negative feelings too, but they've just developed healthy coping strategies that allow them to self-regulate those difficult emotions. And that isn't a static trait. Emotion regulation skills can be learnt and they can be improved over time so if you're struggling you can change it. One of the keys is to be present in them and that's what you're doing in sobriety. Suppressing these emotions or trying to escape them is one of the mistakes that we've all made over our lifetime and this is such an important topic and there's so much out there to help you emotions and dealing with emotions is something that's so important in sobriety because that's what will give your sobriety strength. So I really do want to revisit this topic tomorrow and expand on it further and look into some specific tips and techniques and ways that you can improve your emotion regulation skills so that you can deal with those emotions more effectively now you're open to feeling them. If you'd like to find out more about my story, then you can head to my website, LouisaEvans.com, where you'll find lots of useful links, including a link to my audiobook on Audible. And you'll also find a range of hypnosis and relaxation downloads that you can try at home. Use code SOBERREBEL, all one word, to buy one, get one free as a Sober Rebel Listener. You can also find out about working with me in therapy if you need further support. You may like to follow me on Instagram at Sobriety, and all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you for listening and I'll catch you tomorrow.